Welcome to the Rural Realities Podcast, presented by the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection. I am Karen Endress, Farmer Wellness Program Coordinator for the Wisconsin Farm Center at the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection. Megan Wolf is with me today, a dual diagnosis counselor, and we're going to talk about addiction. We don't talk about addiction on the farm very often, but we do know it's there. A two 2017 survey by two leading farm advocacy groups, the National Farmers Union and the American Farm Bureau Federation, found that nearly 50%, yes, 50% of rural Americans and 74%, you heard me correctly, 74% of farmers have been directly impacted by opioid misuse. Additionally, they also noted a correlation between the increased substance use and poor mental health is well documented in all of the research literature. So if you can see that, that's estimated that approximately half of people who experience substance use disorders also report having a mental health illness. So I think today's topic is really important and I'm really happy to have Megan here with me to talk about signs, recovery, and hope. Before we jump in, Megan, can you share a little bit about yourself? Sure. Good morning, Karen. I'm excited to be with you today discussing topics that are certainly at the peak of my passion, uh, addiction, mental health, and farming. Like you said, I'm a dual diagnosis counselor, which means I'm licensed in both mental health and substance abuse. I'm currently contracted with Southwest Counseling out of Fenimore, Wisconsin. We also have an office in Lancaster, Wisconsin, and we offer both in-person and telehealth services. My educational background is an MBA in organizational development, and then I have an MSc in counseling psychology. I grew up on a family farm with Farrow to Finish hog operation along with about 350 cow-calf operation. And we run a couple thousand acres uh, so that we can build sustainability within our farming operation. So my sessions offer a unique understanding for the farming community, along with the business aspect that goes along with it, along with how that affects both our mental health and our substance use. Thanks, Megan. I've really enjoyed getting to know you and appreciate working with someone and being able to connect farmers with someone who really understands the culture of farming. Farmers out there, we are a little bit different. We're unique. You work hard. You even work harder when you're faced with problems. You farm with your family often, and it's just a unique situation that most others don't experience. So I think as we look at some of the challenges and the stressors of farming, or as we look at substance abuse or alcohol and drug use, it's just part of Wisconsin a little bit. And it's a way that sometimes farmers use to handle all the stress that we do face. Absolutely, Karen. Uh, if you think about Wisconsin, uh, it seems like we're always ranked up right up there with alcohol use. Uh, you think about where you can buy alcohol. You go to the gas station, alcohol's there. You go to the grocery store, alcohol's there. You go out for supper, alcohol's there. It's just everywhere. It's become a normal part of people uh, and the culture within Wisconsin. Right. And so how do we know when we use a substance or we use alcohol? How do we know when it's too much? 
Yeah, that's a really great question. So the first question is always, how much um, is alcohol or other substances affecting your life in general? Um, some things that might be going on, such as um, not just your physical health, how that's being affected um, by alcohol or other substances that you put in your body, but also your mental health, such as depression. Are you suffering with depression? Are you are you down, lonely? Um, isolated? Do you have a lot of anxiety? Are you restless? Are you up worrying at night? Are you able to sleep through the night? Or um, are you up uh, the majority of the night? How about anger? Anger is something that we don't talk about very often. How angry are you? And then especially putting or um, putting substances in your body, even alcohol, how does that affect your anger or your mental health as a whole? Um, then I would look at occupational duties. Are you getting your chores done? Are you feeding your animals on time? Are your animals in good health? Uh, how about the living conditions for your animals? How about your own living conditions on the farm for yourself? Then I would look at relationship issues with hired help, um, family, government agencies that help regulate our farms. Um, and then I would look at daily routines. Are you meeting your needs as a human being? Are you meeting the needs of your family? How about um, the business needs of your farm? Are you meeting the demands of the field as a whole? Are you involved in communities that can help advocate for you? How about legal issues? Have you ever been pulled over and received an OWI? Do you have any tickets? Are you breaking the law? Those are all things that I would look at with somebody to really get an overall picture of how much is alcohol or other substances affecting your life. I really appreciate that perspective. It's good to look at all those things. Like I hadn't thought of, oh, if I'm not getting my daily tasks done, like I expect them to be. It's a really good point to kind of give that internal look and look at the business and might be too how someone in our a friend or a family member points out or notices something isn't right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that is really good things to look at. So, okay, I'm there. Either a friend or a family member has maybe pointed out or I'm noticing that um, I'm not getting my animals fed on time. I'm having relationship issues or something else. So what do I do next? What's available to help me? Sure. Uh, so the first question that I would really ask somebody um, when I talk with them is, what is your goal? This isn't about me as the counselor, what my goal for you is. I want to know directly, um, is, it, is your goal to be completely clean or sober? You know, when you start to think about your goal, a lot of times we put pressure on ourselves that if I get sober, I have to be sober the rest of my life. And that really just adds a lot of anxiety for people. So I would just really kind of cut it down and say, what's our goal right now? Is my goal right now to get clean and sober right now? Or is my goal to cut back my use of alcohol or opiates or whatever kind of other drug that I'm using? Um, let's take a look at that goal and let's use the words right now with it. And then we want to look at, um, there's a lot of questions surrounding that. Uh, what is your support network like? Because essentially, it's really hard to get clean or sober without a support net network around us. You know, do family, friends, spouses, um, other farming neighbors, do they, has anybody else ever been clean or sober? Are they aware of the problem? Are they there to support you when times get really tough? 
Um, have you ever been able to get clean and sober before? Uh, is this your second, third, fourth, 20th attempt at getting clean or sober? Um, and is it medically necessary for us to get a medical team involved to watch your detox process? Um, detox from anything can be really scary times for our body. And uh, I tell people that sometimes our body throws temper tantrums. <laughs> We're not trying to, but our body just throws a temper tantrum trying to get off of a drug um, or alcohol. And so it's really important that we um, use a medical team to try to help that process happen. And then what is your availability, right? So are you in a place that you could step away and go to a residential care program for a couple of weeks, maybe 30 days? If that's not an option and that's not your goal, then we look at partial hospitalization where sometimes we can log into a Zoom um, partial hospitalization for a couple hours a day uh, and help get resources available um, in a group setting. There's also what we call intensive outpatient. And intensive outpatient is usually could be two, three, maybe even up to four hours a day. Again, um, that's available in some places, some hospitals uh, or counseling services have that where you can go in and sit down with a group of people who are also similar to working on the same sorts of goals. Um, or sometimes we can log into different programs throughout Wisconsin too um, that they have available uh, via Zoom. The other option is definitely a group setting um, that can be uh, just small group. Maybe it's an hour or two hours once a week. Then there's individual counseling, which is exactly what I do um, in private practice, but you also can work with your county or other private practice um, agencies. And then you could go as far as to just starting out at uh, a group like Alcohol Anonymous or um, Narcotics Anonymous or any sort of self-help group like that, where you have a group of individuals coming together uh, that just share their own resources with each other. So there's many different options. It's really going back to, again, what is your goal as the individual? And then we take a look at uh, the, the resources you have available to be able to meet your goal, along with um, the medical necessity of getting you to that place. I appreciate you sharing all those. I had no idea there were so many options. It's great because... Farmers, right? Maybe they can't get away. Maybe they have to do something partial in order to be able to reach that goal, which I appreciate that idea of kind of setting that goal first and then figuring out how to get there to make it more achievable. Because I could see right. that could cause a lot of anxiety if I have this, you know, huge goal, but I don't even have the resources or the time to get there, but to know that there is help and there's something that can be unique and individualized for my situation. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for sharing all that. There's a lot of stigma around substance abuse. And so I'm really glad you're here today to talk about it because we don't like to talk about it. We like to ignore it. We like to push it under the rug. Families that have it in their family don't tend to talk about it. Um, and so I really think it's great that you're here to share because who else is out there? It's not like you go to your neighbor and say, Hey, I'm struggling. You know, do you know, because you just don't. Right. Right. So now that I've set a goal or maybe I've decided to look into a resource, what does recovery look like for someone who has a substance abuse problem? 
So that's a great question as well. Again, recovery is different for everyone, but essentially our goal is to really recover to who I am authentically without all the blurs of substances, which can be a really difficult process at times because especially if my dad was a drinker and my grandpa was a drinker and all the people around me are drinkers, and that's just what I know is my norm, right? So part of recovery is really rediscovering who I am without any substances, even if that means that I'm breaking a generational, um, I'll call it a curse of alcohol uh, misuse or other drug misuse, right? So I would go back to just saying it's it's really individualized for the person, but it's really about recovering back to who am I with out everything that goes into it. And that might also um, dig into mental health and what kind of trauma that I have um, endured in my lifetime. And again, we want to be careful about what we um, define as trauma because trauma is not necessarily about the event itself, but about how I interpret the event on the inside of me and then how I deal with that. So it's really a multifaceted um, approach to really getting clean and sober and staying there because you want to address what is keeping me in the mode of addiction, what got me there to begin with, and then really, like I said, rediscovering who I am without all that stuff once I'm working through healing that and forgiving myself and other people who were part of that process as well. That's really interesting. And I really appreciate you touching on trauma. I think mm -hmm. something I've learned in my life, right? We always thought a trauma was someone had an accident, right? It's mm -hmm. this moment in time. But what I've learned is like you define trauma can be something that happened to me emotionally. And, and I just didn't deal with it or how I dealt with it. I internalized it and it built up maybe even to be bigger than what it was, but to me, it was damaging in some way, shape or form to my emotional well-being. Mm -hmm. And so I could see very easily how a substance could help kind of push that back down. Right. Absolutely. So if we don't ever look at our triggers and our triggers can be not just, oh, I saw my friend Johnny who was having a drink, but um, maybe I had a rough day or maybe somebody said something to me and it triggered this emotional response in me and I wasn't even aware of it, but I didn't like the way I felt. So I reached out because I know that when I take that glass of wine or that I, I drink that beer or I take that opiate, I don't have to feel anything. So a lot of recovery is learning how to feel my feelings and regulating my emotions noticing that it's okay for me to be triggered, but I don't have to overreact with that. I can just sit with it and notice it and regulate my nervous system to accept it, that there's a trigger, but I don't have to react by grabbing that drug or alcohol. Thank you for bringing that physical reaction up because I right. think that's something we don't realize that we're using the substance to also calm that physical and dull that physical reaction that we're having mm -hmm. in our nervous Absolutely. system. So that's Absolutely. Really, really important to think about. And, and then you brought up feelings. Um, I'm going to say a lot of farmers don't really want to talk about feelings <laughs> or right. it's not how we were brought up in our culture. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so I bet that goes to a place where a lot of people maybe don't want to get to 
<laughs> right? Again, um, <laughs> there is a, a new theory out there, uh, a new word theory, I would say, um, called polyvagal theory. And it really helps us notice um, in putting ourselves on a scale, I would say, of how our nervous system reacts to a trigger. And a lot of times I do think, um, I'm, I'm kind of generalizing, but I do think a lot of times when we're raised in the farming culture that we're raised not to talk about it or just to shove it down and get to work. We've got stuff to do. We don't have time to sit and think about this or talk about this, um, which ultimately probably hurts us more than helps us overall. Um, but it's definitely about noticing our nervous system, noticing when I don't have that drug or alcohol, um, what is happening with my anxiety? What is happening? Um, am I restless? And then trying to find other avenues to calm that down versus grabbing for that substance. That is so important. And I hope if people listening really take that message in to kind of notice, one, identify what is that trigger. And you can notice it's a trigger because of your physical response, right? Might be your heart rate mm -hmm. going up. You know, it might be this anxious feeling that you can't settle. And so that's really important to, mm -hmm. to dig down and figure out what is that and even sometimes I think we probably block out what the true trauma was in the beginning. Like until you talk to someone and really start paying attention to what the triggers are to even identifying sometimes what was the trauma. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I really, sure. really have enjoyed going back and forth with that. Um, <laughs> so we're, we've kind of identified we need help. We've talked about some resources um, that are out there and um, the start of recovery. So as you look at recovery, um, is that something, how long does that take? I mean, I'm sure it's individual, but how does, if someone's trying to set that goal, what can they expect? Is it months? Is it years? Is it lifetime? What does that look like for someone? Well, I, I think it's, again, I think it's very individualized and to what level of self-awareness do they hope to get to, right? I think we all come and go out of recovery as human beings. Um, we might get super burnt out in our job or su super burnt out on the farm. And then we're kind of rediscovering our passion again and getting ourselves back into it. Um, same, I would say same goes for substance abuse, you know, maybe I got myself clean and sober for a year, but then, uh, then I decided I'm going to go back, um, over to the neighbor's house and they're going to grill out and we're going to have a beer. And then I kind of fell back into that old behavior. And then before I know it, it became a slippery slope and now I'm drinking every day again, you know, so I would say recovery is a lifetime, right? We're always, if we're recovering who our authentic self is, we're going to get lost in the way on, on the life's journey. And then, you know, I tell people, it's kind of like when you're going down the highway and you're on a 14 hour road trip and you're four hours into it and you turn off on the wrong exit and you're like, oh my gosh, am I going to go back? And, you know, most people are not going to go back and start over at home and get back on the road and do it the right way. We're just going to turn around off the exit. We're going to get back on the highway and we're going to keep going. And so I always really kind of look at recovery the same way. We're going to fall off. Things are going to happen in life. Um, so how do I learn to to forgive myself in the moment and just get back on the highway and keep going forward. That was a great example. I could actually visualize what that was like and, and trying to pick up, right? You've done some of the hard work. So now you don't have to go back to the beginning. You right. can just go step back a little and start over again. 
I know recovery seems probably like a big hurdle for a lot of people, but I'm a big believer that there is hope. And when you commit to recovery, um, there are, and there are people out there to help. So can you talk a little bit about that and, and is there hope or how do we get that hopeful feeling that we can get back on the right path? Yeah, um, I would definitely say um, if we can even find a little mustard seed of hope, I think that can change things. Um, Sometimes it's really difficult to see hope when we isolate and we stay hidden. And I think that's one of the biggest things for farmers too is we're, we've got such a huge work ethic and we always have a million things to get done in a day. And a lot of times, especially right now, we don't have much for help. So it's, um, it's hard for us to find that there would be hope that we could even meet with a counselor or even start on this, um, recovery out of this addiction. So I would start by really saying, um, just opening up to someone allows our brains to see that there is a little ray of light or a little mustard seed at the end of the tunnel. And then with the uh, resources that are available, and especially nowadays, the resources that are available um, with telehealth, I think makes a huge difference. Um, You know, and then finding that little ray of hope um, not only can help you physically feel better, but also mentally, which can enable things to really change in your life for the positive. That's great. I really have enjoyed spending time with you today, Megan, and sharing with our listeners some important things about addiction recovery, some treatment options and hope. What are your main takeaways today? What should, if someone takes one thing away from this podcast and this conversation, what should they remember? Uh, That's a great question. Again, you're full of great questions today, Karen. Um, I would definitely say that the hardest step you will take is to reach out, to just take the deep breath, make the first phone call, show up in the session, whether it's telehealth or in the person's office and just be real, just make that first phone call. I appreciate that. And that often is the hardest step is the first one. And once you feel like the momentum is rolling and then you can really take care of yourself. It's been a really important topic today, understanding a little bit more about addiction As farmers, we're going to face a lot of stressors every day. Doesn't matter, even when the markets are high, then typically our inputs are high or there's bad weather or different things happening to our own individual business or where our family's at in our business, working with our family. Stressors never go away for farmers. And so I think if I can give a message is just taking care of our whole self as a farmer mentally and physically, because they go hand in hand. Even as we talked about today, a lot of times we don't know what trauma has occurred, but we do know there's a physical reaction to something. And so reaching out, trying to take care of ourselves because farmers, we take care of the country's most valuable resources in our land and water. We're guided and we have that calling to produce wholesome, nutritious food products what's more important than that? And what's more important than you doing that work as a farmer? So you need to take care of yourself. Do you have any final thoughts, Megan? 
I would just say a couple last things, Karen. First of all, you are worth it. You are so valuable, uh, not just as a person, but as a farmer. And by just taking that first step, it can change your life for the better. Great. Thank you for joining me today in this podcast about talking addiction, signs, recovery, and hope. If you are a Wisconsin farmer or family member and have questions, or would like to seek counseling or support, please reach out to the Wisconsin Farm Center. The Wisconsin Farm Center with the Department of Agriculture, Trade and Consumer Protection provides a variety of services to farmers and farm families across Wisconsin, including financial consulting, transition planning, conflict mediation, veterinary diagnostic analysis, a farmer wellness program, and more. For additional info, you can call the Wisconsin Farm Center toll-free at 1-800-942-2474 or email them farmcenter at wisconsin.gov. Also, the website address is datcp.wi.gov. Also, if you're experiencing depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, or just need a welcoming ear to talk to, call the free and confidential 24-7 Wisconsin Farmer Wellness Helpline at 888-901-2558 to talk with a stress counselor anytime. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Rural Realities Podcast.